What accent were you doing there? I don't know. Nope, you changed it now. I don't know. <laughs> Way more British than Coming before. Up, uh, what was that? I don't like it. I don't know. You know what I do like? It's... Being back with Catechize. Welcome, oh, everybody. Good. <laughs> the the when podcast. Did you start that. <laughs> not, not very long. Okay. <laughs> this is Catechize, the podcast where we discuss the historic Reformed confessions and catechisms. I'm your host, Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host, St. John the Divine, patron saint of cows. John the Da Vinci Code, as I like to call myself. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a, we did get a question um, from a friend, a real friend, my best man, um, about the Da Vinci Code, which we're not answering today because we're answering <laughs> the question that came in before his that we haven't answered yet, and then we'll answer his Yeah, fair soon. is fair. Fair is fair. Get in line. Take a number. <laughs> uh, but we do hope to hear from more people um, as as we we crave questions so send them in and we'll talk about them and it'll be fun but today before we do that we're going to do the, the regular things also happy affirmation day we did it we didn't do it a <laughs> martin luther and many before and after him did it well not many before a couple before yeah like jan hus we'll give it mostly to martin luther and the boys but Martin Luther and the boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, those will those uh, the 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 Reformation theme will will pop up um, in our our history and heresy of the week, but yeah, but not not abundantly on topic. But it's close enough, and yeah. we have to stretch because it's what we do. It's it's what we do. Plus, so we're you probably won't you definitely won't hear this on Reformation, but, Day, we're, but recording. we're recording on Reformation <laughs> yeah, that's Day. That's true. That's an important detail. So. We're You'll be listening to this either the day before, at the earliest, the day before the election, um, and maybe it'll be the last thing you ever listen to before we descend into nuclear waste and <laughs> chaos. Oh, <laughs> After yeah. that happens, oh boy! Just kidding, everything's fine. Um, <laughs> all right, well, we are back. This is season three, episode three, um, continuing in our our. Um, journey through the <laughs> westminster shorter catechism what a journey it is so yeah whatever um we're on question 23 and we're continuing our discussion of of the person and work of christ and now transitioning from person to work and uh this is kind of a transitionary question but it, it gives us some fun opportunities and uh yeah so john john will read question 23 and i will read it after him and then we'll we'll, we'll yeah we'll share some thoughts <laughs> we'll do the thing all right we will do the thing here we go question 23 here's the question what offices doth christ execute uh -uh. as our redeemer and the answer christ as our redeemer executeth the offices of a prophet of a priest and of a king both in his estate of humiliation and exaltation Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit on the fly mine for the for the people who don't speak that. <laughs> <laughs> Question and answer twenty three of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What offices does Christ execute as our Redeemer? Christ as our Redeemer executes the offices of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king, both in his estate of humiliation and exaltation. Nice. This is funny because the the book I was reading from is like a student's guide to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but he, like, uses exclusively the King James Version and... Um, oh, he's one of those, is he? I don't know if he's one of those. He just uses that in here. <laughs> we digress. We do digress. We digest. Anyway, the question today is obviously focused on the threefold... The threefold office of Christ. Offices Indeed. of Christ? 
Anyways, so th- this this is again one of those kind of tough ones. Well, it's not tough. We got plenty to talk about, but it's it's we don't want to talk too much in too much depth about each office because the next three questions are really expanding on these offices, what they are, and how Christ is is them <laughs> ultimately fulfills them. But this is a good opportunity to give some background, and I think the first bit of background that is helpful to um, our understanding of the work of Christ is is looking at a, at kind of the history of this this threefold office that mm. um, Christ is the perfect prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. And these offices, these roles or these jobs um, that Christ fulfills um, are very f- popular, I guess, in, in terms of understanding Christ's work, both because cr- Jesus himself and other New Testament authors repeatedly appeal to them for understanding the ministry yeah. of Christ and the work that he accomplished on the cross, but also because um, they're so essential and foundational to the old Testament. And yeah, yeah. I was going to say you it's well, I, I guess impossible to read the old Testament and not just see over and over and over again, references oh, yeah. to various Kings and their shortcomings, various prophets, various priests, you know? Yeah. And so the old <laughs> Testament thoroughly sets up these categories um, and shows them to be unfulfilled. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I feel, I feel kind of silly saying, prophet priest and king are important roles like that seems like duh <laughs> that seems very obvious but it that, but then you kind of think about it and and how often do we talk about jesus role as prophet priest and king how often mm. do we uh, really study and understand what we mean by that similar to saying yeah jesus is fully god and fully man most christians Next. would would be like yeah how much how much time is often spent actually digging into what that means and why it's mm-hmm. necessary to understand it um, and, and how it's been presented to us in God's word. And so it's, it's one of those things that's almost so familiar that we forget that it is significant. Yeah. Um, and it is. And I, I guess one of the helpful things is to see how this is unfolded. Cause there's been a different, there's been a kind of, there has been, there was a development in the old Testament people of God of these three roles. They mm-hmm. kind of, as we'll talk about in a second, they're, they're all seen in, in Adam um, in in uh, in his creative roles when he was made and tasked with things to do with work by God, he was filling these roles more or less. Yeah. And Adam, not Adam, I already said him. <laughs> and uh, Abraham, Adam. the same. And then the most kind of uh, I don't know. You're looking for quintessential. Yeah, I think it was a good word. <laughs> that is what I was looking for, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> Example of these three offices in one is Moses. Moses leads the people as kind of just the leader he also mm-hmm. speaks to god on their behalf and he well he's of the tribe of levi which is the priest and and his brother is the first high priest and so there is a way in which all three offices are tied up in him but after the mosaic law there's kind of a dividing of these offices that you have uh the tribe of levi and certain clans within the tribe of levi that are the priests and high priests mm-hmm. um that is their job and, and it's passed through their family and similarly with the, the tribe of judah um, is going to be the tribe of kings and ultimately uh, is began as the, the line of the kings in David. And then all throughout the Old Testament, you have prophets more distinctly. You have a lot of prophets who are, who are prophets, and that's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not like Moses, who has had a, kind of multiple roles, but Isaiah, Jeremiah, um, the minor prophets, Elijah. they, they yeah. Yeah, Elijah and Elisha, <laughs> in 
a couple like years ago when I was teaching Old Testament, I think it was the second year I was teaching it, my students were getting confused between Elijah and Elisha, understandably. Yeah. And so we gave each of them different names. It was like, it, it was, I don't know. They were very modern. <laughs> it was like Jason and Tim. <laughs> um, but that became more confusing because then you had to remember which one was Jason and which one was Tim. But they kept being like, wait, did you say Elijah or Elisha? Is that Jason? Yeah. <laughs> or Tim. And so we gave them the fake names and it ended up making it way more confusing. <laughs> Anyways, these three roles become more distinguished throughout the history of God's people. And you have priests who serve as prophets. I think that Jeremiah is from a, a priestly clan. Yeah. Um, it's actually, or, well, his is a complex Ezekiel. thing. Oh, I thought it was. I think it's Ezekiel. I think it might be. Dang it. Well, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then David, who is king, very often serves as as a prophet, most mm-hmm. famously probably in Psalm 110. But these roles are roles that are really essential to the health and function of God's people. And they are very foundational to understanding God's people, how God relates and communicates with his people and how um, God's people are led and guided by God with the establishing of these three roles. So the, the roles of prophet, priest, and king are essential to God's people throughout the history of God's people. Josh, very briefly, give the people a little, uh, a little teaser of what each of those three roles is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, we were like, should we give a definition? Well, yeah, it'd be silly to not. <laughs> But also we don't want to go into depth because yeah. then what do we do in the next three weeks? But basically uh, the kings lead the people mm. politically. Nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> but they're like shepherds. They shepherd yeah. the people. They guide them and lead them. And, they like um, rule creation in a way. Yeah. They, they, well. As sub. Well, that's man. That, we'll, we'll get there when we talk about the Adamic origins yeah, of these it. roles. I got a little John. excited about Adam. Patience. Continue. Patience. Stop making noises in your mic. <laughs> Anyways, the kings, they, they, they guide and shepherd and lead the people. They're meant to um, uphold God's law, basically. Um, the, the priests uh, represent the people before God. They, they go before God making sacrifices. Um, and then kind of the opposite of, of, a, of a priest, in a way, is the prophet who represents God before the people, speaking God's word to his people, mm-hmm. um, often functioning as covenant lawyers, kind of pointing to the law and the covenants and saying, hey, Israel... Keep this this covenant. (laughs) You're not doing this. And remember, if you don't do this, God's going to punish you. Please repent Um, or else. Yeah. Bad news bears. Yes. Got Um, it in early. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Prophets speak God's word to God's people. Priests represent the people before God with sacrifice and intercession. And uh, the kings govern and lead and guide the people and uphold God's law. Yeah. Sweet. And Jesus does all those things perfectly, which we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Oh, yeah. But anyway, can we can we do it a little? Yeah, go. So so John, you were hinting at this, and you're you're you weren't holding your horses, <laughs> as they as they say. Um, but these all again, as we kind of talked about with the history of the threefold office, mm-hmm. um, they all connect back to anthropology. They all connect back to Adam, and and all of these offices kind of exist to to counter uh, or mitigate consequences of the fall. They all yeah. exist because of the fall, more or less. So. What is that? Yeah, so basically, when Adam was created, obviously he was created without sin, and therefore he was, um, and similarly as part of the like creation mandate, he was created to rule over creation. Oh, you got some? No, I'm trying to tell you to get closer to your mic. Oh, similarly, because it's tilted away from you. That's which is a weird decision that you've made. <laughs> All right, 
fixed. Are we good? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so Adam was, when Adam was created, he was obviously created without sin, and he was also created to rule over creation. So in his original state, he, in a sense, held all three of the offices. He he ruled over creation and, um, you know, under God, but over creation. Yeah, I think we've talked about that a little bit. Yeah, the, the dominion mandate, under. be fruitful, multiply, and, and yeah. fill the earth and subdue it. That kind of subdue the dominion that is part of yeah. image bearing. That's that's kingly things. Yeah. Similarly, as as prophet, he basically God walked with him. God spoke to him. Yeah. He, um, he knew God. And, yeah. He knew God like basically he could kind of converse with God in a way that after, you know, sin in the fall just we couldn't do yeah and, and we kind of even see him functioning as prophet with in his relationship with eve right god mm-hmm. gives these yeah. commands to adam and it is presumably adam's responsibility to communicate those to eve and assume it assume um, and that's, offsprings as well and and his yeah his children and that's what a prophet does they yeah. speak god's word to god's people and then priest well okay so the office of priest comes up because basically man having sinned well, has no way to mediate between God and man. Well, you're ju- you're getting ahead of yourself, John. Fine. Because Adam, because oh, it's just too cool to ignore the 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 command that God gave. He God placed Adam in the garden. He commanded him to work it and keep it. And those two the, those two verbs, mm, yeah, yeah. The only time they occur together is in a description of priestly ministry. And so the thing that Adam is supposed to do in the garden is the same working and keeping, the guarding and tending to the holy place, yeah. Eden or the temple that the priests do. Yeah, I thought we'd spent a bunch of time talking about that already. Right, but that was like season. That was a, a, right. a yeah, long time. You're ago. right. You're right. So it got yeah. So if Adam Adam is functioning as all three of these, it's good. To yeah. Ground them again. Yeah. Fair fair point. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, Adam basically holds all of these offices. Yeah. Um, in his ruling and in his relation, kind of on both ends, I guess you could say to God. Yeah. Um, however, when the fall happens. He basically loses these offices, or they're marred. I don't know. Well, yeah. There's kind of the there's this there's perfect iteration of them where where Adam is as sub regent under God is meant to reign and rule over creation. Yeah. And and as he fails to do that, and his his fall and his sin is a failure in all three of these offices. Mm-hmm. As he fails to rule and uphold God's law as king, he fails to speak of God's word um, as prophet, allowing temptation to and lies to overcome the truth of God's word, and and he fails as priest to guard and protect the holy place. Mm-hmm. And because of that failure of all three of these offices, there's a more kind of specific way and post fall reality of of god commissioning prophets priests and kings to lead and govern his people yeah yeah and they kind of take on a, a a a different flavor if you will that that the working and keeping uh of the garden of the holy place of god that was meant to be adam says priest um has changed because we are now the unholy thing that cannot enter the presence of god and so what the priest's job is now is to um by way of sacrifice go before God and mediate on the people's behalf before God going before him, um, for the forgiveness of the sins of the people, um, and in sacrifice and prayer, um, rather than keeping what is unholy out there yeah. as representatives of the unholy 
people of God made holy by him and sacrifice both yeah. the priests now yeah serve to to uh, what am i saying <laughs> we need a priest to, we need a priest to approach god yeah. now um and then because we don't know god like john was saying we don't we don't walk with him as adam did we don't speak to him as adam did mm-hmm. um we need a prophet to speak god's words to us to reveal him to us who have been separated because of sin and in kind of a twofold way we have failed to rule over god's creation like as we were meant to, as Adam and Eve were meant to. Mm-hmm. And also we have rejected the true king um, in our rebellion against God. And so we need a, 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 a true king appointed by God to, to lead and rule over us. And mm-hmm. God's people did. And so because of the fall and the failure of Adam to be a good prophet, priest, and king, we need a we need these roles and these offices of prophets, priests, and kings to, in a more significant way, do what they were originally intended to do. We can no longer hear God, so we need prophets to to speak God's word to us. We can no longer approach God, so we need priests to intercede for us with sacrifice and prayer. Um, this is all speaking in the Old Testament context, yeah. of course. <laughs> and the Old Testament people, people of God need a king to rule over them and shepherd them and guide them because they are lost in... Prone to wander. Oh, I was going to say yeah. that. Nice. <laughs> nice. Gotcha. And obviously, well, kind of like you mentioned earlier we we sort of start to see the the wait what was the word quintessential formation of John, these. it's your word you got to remember yeah, your that, own i words. just remembered it okay that's true um but <laughs> we see the quintessential formation of these in moses well quintessential old testament formation of these in moses where he sort of functions in all three roles yeah um but after him there i, I one thing that i think is really interesting is that like Moses sort of is this this kind of almost peak of the three roles in the Old Testament and it says that at least about his prophetic role it's like it for future prophets I'll you know I'll speak in signs and riddles but to Moses I speak face yeah. to face yeah and there's always in Deuteronomy reiterates this a bunch that or at least several times near the end that there will be one day one of the hope of God's people is that there will one day be a prophet like Moses yeah and there's always been there has been this longing ever since for that prophet like Moses, and this prophet like Moses has not come even to this day. It says several times in the Old yeah. Testament, and so there's even a recognize. Oh, geez, hold on. I, I needed to disconnect my phone from my my computer because it just double rings me if they're both in the <laughs> same place, and it's overwhelming. Anyways, um, there's always been this longing then by the people of God for that prophet like Moses. Yeah. Similarly, uh, I think it's interesting from the priesthood perspective when, you know, shortly after the golden calf incident in Israel, God is about to basically, he, he says, like, I'm going to wipe out Israel and restart a nation from you, Moses. And Moses intercedes for the people in a, in a sort of priestly way almost and um, basically saves them from, you know, saves them, quote unquote. God obviously saves them, <laughs> but he, his prayer no, it's, affects it's... God in a way and saves, um, saves the Israelites. And so in that sense, he has, it's sort of like a priestly role and a kingly role that he plays where he's leading the people and also interceding for them like the priests would. Yeah. And go back to, um, immutability and passability too. To further, because we talked about that, yeah. Because he doesn't change God, but his his prayer and intercession is effectual. Yeah, it's the ordained means, if you will. 
Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just I just was thinking about that. Yeah. But Anyways. but yeah. So we see these in <laughs> Moses, but then after Moses, like things fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, good. No, I don't. I don't know. And and there are great like there are there's like a lot Isaiah like the the prophet and there is yeah elijah who's even maybe arguably like the the other big deal because elijah will come again before the messiah and yeah and um and you have king david and and uh and there's some interesting priestly stuff going on like around exile like joshua the high priest post exile and the zadokite i think priesthood so there's a lot of very high points for these individual roles there are like like glimmers right here and there but they're all again kind of well i guess this is as good as time i need to transition they're all pointing forward because jesus says that that all that is written in the law and the prophets everything in the old testament is about me it's pointing to me and sure there's direct fulfillment of prophecies about jesus that he's talking about but everything in the old testament is about him and so he fills and fulfills all of the it's not just direct prophecy there's types there's so every prophet priest and king is is a type of christ because he is the true prophet the true priest and the true king Mm -hmm. and their their successes and their goodness points to and is a lesser form of what Jesus would be and their failures are a reminder that they are not the ultimate prophet, priest, or king, whichever, drawing attention to the need of that prophet like Moses. And so all these glimmers of high points in the roles of king or prophet or priest are all just reminders that we don't have that one that we're longing yeah. for yet. It's kind of like, all right, this is this is going to be dumb, but I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so let's say you're in a cave okay, and you yell something. And then it's just bouncing off the walls. Like you like echo and then echo, 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 you know, something like that. Well, let's say you reverse those in time. <laughs> so, so you have the, have echo, you recently echo, rewatched echo, echo, and that's how it is. Oh, I see what you're saying. Where the, the echoes of Christ are the things in the old Testament that are getting closer and closer to the actual voice and the true word, which is Jesus. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. Nope. No charge. Good on you. <laughs> Way to go, John. You get a, you get a, um, a gold star today. Give me a gold star. <laughs> I demand it. <laughs> yeah. But no, and the last thing that I think then to kind of tie that together is that, that ultimately these offices exist and, and yes, they exist because of um, the, the people of God, need of each of them that they that god speaks to his people and they need a means to hear his voice and that is the prophets and that Mm. that they cannot approach god without a priest and of course it's because god has ordained those offices to fulfill those needs Mm -hmm. um and a king to lead them but the ultimate reason for the existence of these offices is to point to christ to show us what the messiah will be like who he will be and what his job and work will encompass and entail and all uh, all of the offices of prophet, priest, and king, and every holder of each of those offices exists to point to the true prophet, priest, and king, who is the greatest um, prophet, priest, and king all in one man. Which again ties back to Adam, that that Jesus is the second Adam who fulfills the roles of prophet priest and king perfectly when the first adam could not and did not and so all all of these offices and every iteration of them all point to jesus and they're all a means by which and they exist ultimately even though they have real 
reason to exist in time. They all exist ultimately so yeah. that we might know the Messiah and um, understand his work, his life, death, and resurrection. That's cool. It's good stuff. Which means that like, we, really, we can really know the things that Jesus did and their significance by looking at, at these roles and offices. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's, there's such an interesting thing in both. <laughs> Man, we're going on a, a brief tear here against Rome. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, last week, this week especially, and, and, and probably in some coming weeks. But also postmodernism. And there's this weird... Like in postmodernism, like we can't really know what anyone is saying or meaning because yeah. words don't really mean anything. And then in Rome, well, you can't know what Scripture says without the magisterial authority interpreting it for you. Um, but but we can. We Jesus, God has spoken clearly in His Word, and we can know what the Messiah, who the Messiah is, what He has done, and what what is the, the significance of his fulfillment of these roles is yeah. we can, we can know Christ um, because he has made himself known in his word. Um, and that's not to, not to propose in contrast to Rome, some sort of like Jesus in my Bible off in a corner by myself, sort of, of course faith, not. but, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's not, it's not some hidden knowledge revealed only to, the pope or, or something or like unknowable that. yeah there's yeah. all sorts of different ways that that's muddy i think but it's good we can know jesus um and uh, then that that's that's the goal of of our time um every week and, and hopefully we, we we make jesus known yeah and i think part of the reason kind of that you mentioned we oh. <laughs> I, I so he just he just knocked <laughs> off his glasses <laughs> And then in an attempt to fix them, knocked his, um, <laughs> what's that thing called? Uh, uh, the little screen in front of his mic. He knocked that off. So he's <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> I, was, I was itching my head. It was a bad itch. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is I think the reason we, we keep ending up, particularly this season, seemingly going after Rome is because these truths are so good that it feels like when you kind of neuter them a little bit, it's frustrating and bad. Yeah. So like you have these statements of the, you know, great things Jesus has done and does for us um, through, you know, his death and, you know, what he's doing now in yeah. heaven on our behalf. And these get like lost human, and muddied, humanized kind of, we sure. like, we want them to be, we want them to be things we can control more. And so we, pack all these other things onto them sure and that's why it's frustrating indeed cool should we move on let's move on all right history of the week where we will continue in our tirade against rome (laughs) (laughs) Um, the history this week is of course as we mentioned earlier just this is reformation day and two two five hundred and three years ago Mm-hmm. Um, this is the 503rd anniversary of the Reformation. Um, Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the to the door of the of the what, castle church in Wittenberg. Yeah, and I know there's people who are like, well, actually, it was a week later, and he submitted it to the janitor of yeah. the church, and he put it up, and no, well, that never, ha- and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is the day that we at least um, they, the the theses are dated October 31st, and we we commemorate and celebrate rightfully the beginning of the liberation of the gospel from the um 
ugh, the encrusting, like just the twisting and, and and perversion of it that was done by the medieval uh, Roman Church and um and and this is it's it's a good and of course it is um christ prays for the unity of his church Mm -hmm. and so any division in the the any visible division in the the church of christ is something that is not ideal Um, now of course there is only one church there is only one bride of christ and all who are in christ are members of that true and visible church but the gospel um being preserved and clarified and restored to 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 a place where it it was known by the people yeah. um, by the work of the reformers that's something to be celebrated yeah. the the undoing of all of the harm and the the wrong that Rome did that's a, that's a good thing yeah and and yes it happened in a way that was maybe not ideal <laughs> that 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 there is now great division in the church but the gospel is preserved and clarified and uh, and we should celebrate that and can celebrate that. Mm-hmm. And of course, fallen people who are saved and justified and sanctified and, and being sanctified, certainly we are, those things are true, but we don't do things perfectly. Yeah. And so it is better to have the reformation and division than to have a unified church um, and a perverted and muddied gospel. Yeah. I. It's funny. I remember... I was listening to a talk by Erwin uh, Ince, and he was talking about the Tower of Babel. And what he said was, he was like, the Tower of Babel was the last time humanity was completely unified. And he goes, <laughs> unified in absolute and utter, you know, opposition to God. Right. <laughs> and and so God divided the their languages and their cultures because... That's a gracious preservation yeah. <laughs> of our unified and rebellion. So I think, and it's obviously not like directly connected here, but I think an idea, you know, a similar idea could be said. Like it's better to, uh, I almost said it's better to have a remnant, which sounds bad, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, it's better to divide and have people truly and worship, you know, worshiping God as they're supposed to. Yeah, I suppose. And I think it's good that you said like a, a restoration of the right thing, because it's not like, you know, only when Martin Luther started, did we finally start worshiping God? At right. All. Yeah. Um, or like we've been doing it completely wrong since right. the apostles were here. It basically is just like it started veering off track and pretty severely. Yeah, pretty yeah. severely. And so Luther and the other reformers are the ones who got yeah. it back on yeah. track by god's grace brought the gospel back to light into light and yeah it's a good thing um there's a cool podcast called luther in real time by ligonier ministries that's happening right now where they release podcast 500 years to the day after events in luther's life mm. it's pretty fun um the martin luther documentary is free on youtube for the rest of the month which is 12 hours ish <laughs> oh, maybe I should watch it tonight you should watch it it's very good it, it'll be free next october but oh nice if we're still around <laughs> just kidding <laughs> this uh. sounds like i'm actually <laughs> pessimistic i'm not um <laughs> um and uh yeah i don't know um celebrate the reformation for it it, it is a good thing even though it, yeah it's sad to to divide the church yeah um the gospel is proclaimed and 
with that we rejoice i guess i don't know unless unless we continue to beat that bush um just yeah just remember remember the reformation this is reformation day the day that we're recording this at least and uh that's good yeah (laughs) speaking of divisions heresy of the week oh yeah (laughs) um we're going for that one-two punch today. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're sorry, <laughs> but not, that not. sorry. <laughs> Pause. Um, not today. In keeping with the the holiday, the heresy <laughs> of the week is dealing with indulgences and purgatory. Yeah, get wrecked. And let me just say now, there's no way we can handle a detailed discussion of this on this right episodes yeah. so so this will be another teaser towards probably a a mini series on engaging with some roman roman catholic doctrines that we find problematic not yeah. we like we are the source we, i'm the like, font of all knowledge and me truth and josh have decided <laughs> but that um that the reformed church and whatever any most protestant denominations right then arguing that in, in in line with scripture think that where Rome has crossed the line. Regardless. Yeah. So this will be a tease and a brief discussion because of its historic relevance and its relevance to the question. Um, but but we know that we can't really do justice to a discussion on purgatory in seven minutes or yeah. whatever, however long this goes. Yeah. So anyway, basically the reason these these are heresies this week is because they they basically get in the way of the fact that Jesus is are ultimate and perfect prophet, priest, and king. Yeah, there's a, a denial of the completed work of Christ that he has f- finally finished and accomplished his work. Um, indulgences and purgatory stand in opposition to that truth. Yeah. And uh, so, he, oh, good. He redeemed us as prophet, priest, and king. He did it all. It's It's complete, and he is continuing his work now. In, as the catechism question says in his humiliation and exaltation yeah um but but he completes it yeah uh, and and it and it is finished so anyway for indulgences i i was i was just reading this the the quote from the catholic what is it catechism of the catholic church i knew it was ccc but i couldn't remember what the three c's were yeah the order um yeah but anyway they <laughs> they write that an indulgence is a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for sins. Right. Basically, and an indulgence is, is kind of like... Indulgences have changed over time. I know. That's why they're a little tricky because it was initially like something you paid. Yeah. You give X number of God, coins. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... Euros. Nope. <laughs> Yen. Definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> you paid you paid money to Rome and you received an indulgence for time off purgatory. Um I I think it was Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're just which So here's and even oh well even even like works can be seen as, you know, there are aspects of works that are indulgences where it's like do this or penance I guess is kind of the idea yeah. there, but do this and you'll knock off some hours in purgatory. Right. Um, which your sins have your sins have accrued hours in purgatory and therefore um, indulgences and such things you know cut off some of the stuff you've built up right which is just and or or a family member oh (laughs) you're right (laughs) (laughs) yeah buy it for a friend knock off some hours for him right or her 
or her. You're right. But yeah, basically, this just goes against the idea that Jesus does all of these things for us. Right. So Jesus, like, dying for our sins is, and, you know, he suffers the punishment for our sins. And yeah. so it's not that he... Uh, if Christ died for his people and is at the right hand of the Father interceding for them, then how is there any room to to assert that they would be suffering in purgatory for the sins that Christ died for and for the sins that he is currently interceding for? Yeah. Um, it just gives me this mental picture, which I'm sure Roman Catholics would be like, that's not right. But this is, it like gives me this picture of Jesus like, oh, I just can't, I can't overcome those sins until they toss me a few bucks i don't know <laughs> which is clearly <laughs> yeah. not even yeah. true but like that's how it that's like yeah. a I cheap mean, way of presenting the money it. wasn't going so i guess historically indulgences worked because you'd pay money to rome and the pope who had the keys to the kingdom of heaven um would receive that money as a good work and then reward that good work because he can loose and bind things on earth and heaven um, he draws from the treasury, treasury of, of merits, <laughs> which means that because Mary was super awesome and so was Saint whoever, um, you get some of their good works applied to you and or your friend who's dead. Yeah. And you've paid the Pope and the Pope with his authority transfers some of that bonus good work to you um, because of your good work of paying money to him. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so the existence of a treasury of merit spotty at best <laughs> um no it's wrong uh the, the hard to spot at all actually yeah. <laughs> and um of course we would disagree with that understanding of the keys and the pope's role because there shouldn't be one um yeah <laughs> again we know that we're kind of being crass or, or I, this quick is like, but yeah we're flying through it and right so. so but yeah historically you paid money pope releases um time by transferring some good works from some saint who had extra good works yeah so works of super irrigation um and Going above the bar yeah and that lessened your time or someone else's time in purgatory because of those temporal sins as opposed to mortal sins mortal sins you're in hell temporal sins um that have not been dealt with receive purgatorial punishment and this We're is really just cutting through yeah here and then um they've changed and developed and there's not really insert coin receive superfluous superfluous words yeah um from a saint it i don't really i would need to do more research to, to know a modern understanding of indulgence but there are still indulgences offered by the church that yeah. do accomplish the same thing but th this is just one of those points where i get really frustrated with the inconsistencies of rome mm -hmm. because clearly if an indulgence said x number of days months years off time in purgatory that implies that they taught and understood purgatory to be temporal, that you were there. There are, I think, um, official pa like papal bulls or bishopric, like bishops' teachings um, that say that the average person will probably spend 2,000 years in purgatory. Um, and now you have Roman Catholics who are like, well, you never have to believe that. You just have to – purgatory could be instantaneous. And you're like, well, then why would I pay money <laughs> to have years off purgatory if purgatory didn't take but a moment? That seems like a waste and a silly thing to do. And so there's just a lot of inconsistencies with the way that they reinterpret their consistent and infallible teachings. I don't know. Yeah. The, we're, we're biting off more than we can chew. Also, and I know this is a thing with the Reformation, it just feels eerily like Pharisees in the Bible. Sure. So, yeah.
Yeah. So Just indul- watch out for mistakes of your forefathers. Yeah. So celebrate, celebrate the Reformation, which has liberated and restored the encrusted gospel. Um, I like that that term. It's from that Calvinist documentary. The gospel was encrusted, encrusted. with all these other <laughs> nonsenses, um, and and uh, recognize that Christ has completed His work as mm-hmm. prophet, priest, and king. He is the one who accomplishes the work of salvation. And and, and when he says it is finished, he was not kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and there is no um, there is no payment required for those who are in Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's like I think I heard that somewhere. Bible or something. Yeah, some All apostle. Right, do we got a Do we got a question today? Oh my gosh, yes. Shoot, we're gonna go long. Um, <laughs> here we go. Question from the Catechumens. Actually, shoot, that's not shoot. This is exciting. Um, this is uh, this is from uh, William, one of my students, actually, and he asks, "What a guy? Uh, would angels have been created on the sixth day?" since they are rational beings separate from animals, or would they have been created on the fifth day with the birds since they are spiritual beings? Um, he's appealing to the waters being separated from the waters above and the firmament above, kind of the idea that, which is fair, like heavens and skies are, are pretty much the same word. I would say, well, <laughs> first of all, again, if you go back to one of our episodes I really am convinced of the framework view that the point of the creation days narrative is not to establish um, the order of creation or the how long it took, but to describe the relationship of created things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and his question doesn't necessarily imply that it has, it has thematic elements in the question. So I don't think it's like, well, they must've been in this order. Um, I think between the days offered by William and his question, sixth versus fifth, I would say sixth as rational creatures. But I don't think that that's actually what I would answer. Yeah. Um, it depends on kind of your understanding of created things. So one of the quick answers would be God created the heavens and the earth and our creation narrative that is told in days for a reason recounts the creation of physical things. And yeah. so when were angels created maybe before all the physical things were made um i think that 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 may be um because uh, i think that they clearly exist because satan exists at the time of of creation and um mm-hmm. uh and i think again the focus of the creation narrative is the the physical world not the heavenly one so much but there's some interesting stuff with like a medieval slash C.S. Lewis cosmology. I listened to a, a talk about this, um, which I found really interesting. But mm. uh, from from both Lewis's understanding of the space trilogy, which is funny because apparently like we shouldn't call it that because he, it's not about like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Ransom trilogy and his, uh, from the Voyage of the Don Treader, when Eustace is talking to a star, Eustace says, in our world, um, stars are flaming balls of gas uh, and the star says to Eustace my boy or something like that my boy even in your world that's not what they are but only what they're made of this idea that um, mm. that that the stars just like people who are flesh and blood and bones and sinew and things that's not what we are it's what we're made of we we have souls and C.S. Lewis in a, in a medieval cosmology would see the stars 
that's what they're made of, but they're angelic beings ruling over the heavens and the heavenly places. And that's an interesting thing to think about that. Yeah. There is, that there is a way in which in this, that, that uh, stars are angelic. Yeah. That's kind of a fun, that's kind of a fun thought. I, I, I know. I don't I, know. Which in which case then they would be it. day four. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't really come up with an argument for it, but yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very, I'm pretty much the same view like that framework view i think is the one that's the most unforced in the like in in answering various questions related to right creation and then i think i think in in a sense it's not well not in a sense it like clearly is not concerned with explicitly telling us when angels are made right so it's very possible like because there's there's kind of an understanding of Genesis where Genesis 1-1 is sort of the summary of what happens. And then Genesis 1-2 and following is like presenting it. Yeah. Um, and so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Maybe built into that is an understanding of the creation of angels, but it doesn't go into that for our, um, yeah, for us who are humans on earth. Right. So, so yeah. Basically, I would question, say though. either created in the heavenly things with the heavenly things that are not really fully described. Um, but I guess probably then most likely even it, whether you go that way or you go the way that there is sort of a, an understanding that the angels and the stars are, are the spiritual and physical sides of a coin. Yeah. Um, then day four also, um, which is interesting. It's a fun, it's a fun thought experiment and there's apparently, Oh, what's the book? What's his book? Meredith Klein. No, no. C.S. Lewis didn't C.S. write a book Lewis. called Meredith Klein. He's a different theologian <laughs> oh, long you after you him. Oh, for him. <laughs> um, I thought you were thinking about creation. No, the one where he... Son of a biscuit. Uh, space. No. Paralandra, <laughs> out of the silent planet. That hideous strength. Hold Screw on, let me... tape letters. Christianity. No. Uh, great divorce. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is taking forever. Uh, let's see. Grief uh, observed. No, what? Uh, problem of pain. <laughs> <laughs> the discarded image. Okay. <laughs> if uh, if you want to, if you're interested more in in that kind of thought experiment with with uh, C.S. Lewis's cosmology, read C.S. Lewis the the discarded image. Nice. Cool. You can also read any of the ones I suggested because I think all of those are pretty good. They're good, but they're not relevant to the question. Correct. But yeah, interesting, interesting speculate, speculative conversation. Hopefully that rambling episode was helpful <laughs> to you. Yeah. Um, we'll be coming back with three um, consecutive discussions of those offices in, in more detail, prophet, priest, and king, and, and, and ultimately, again, how they are fulfilled and how they point to and are fulfilled by, by Christ and, and that we can know him um, and, and we'll continue to interact in some form with with Rome in, in some miniseries, I think, but, Sweet. but remember the reformation and celebrate it and praise God for his, um, his work through those reformers, um, and rest and confidence in the completed work of Christ. And remember that we're going to judge angels. Do you not know, as Paul says, that we will judge angels, which may be framework ordering of things. Man is created over all things. We are created over angels. We've been made a little while lower than the angels, which is also Christological Psalm. But part of that is day four, the stars. And here we fly back out of control. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Have a good week. Follow us on Instagram at Catechize Pod. Send us a question like William did at Catechize or er, to Catechize at gmail.com. If you've got another question for a, a, a week, 
approaching soon. Um, and also, uh, yeah, leave us a like or a review or a comment and tell us what is good and what's not. And if you're a Roman Catholic, please don't hate us. Yeah, <laughs> we don't <course>. hate you. <laughs> um, but we do want the gospel to be known. And I think Rome makes it hard to. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, have a great week. Catechize your kids. All right.